Thank you, dear brother. God bless y'all. Let's give it up for these men that led us tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. Really powerful song there that they wrote. It's awesome testimony, Pastor. God bless y'all for your leadership. And I hadn't had a hamburger yet, but I can't wait to have one. Amen. Is it good? Good burgers. Amen. All right. I tell you what. Well, um, it's my blessing and honor to be here. I'm privileged to be a part of what God's doing, and it's all bigger than I am, and it ought to be. Amen. Anything we do with God's bigger than we are. Amen. So as we uh, just try to do what we can to be faithful to the call in our life, I do want to say, um, you know, time's moving on. Amen. It's already the middle part of January. Before you know it, it'll be over with. We'll be in 2024, 2025. We'll come around and we'll be in, in, in life. And I know this, we don't have much time to, to get things figured out because things are moving really quick. And I'm excited about this year as we partner together with um, five churches in this area. It's been a vision of mine for a while that we would see a movement of men that would transform churches uh, as the result of that as we impact families. And uh, part of that's the design God gives us. Uh, I've been saying this recently. I want to say it tonight. If you want to see a great missionary movement, focus on marriages and focus on families because many churches don't. And as you make that a priority, you'll see men built, men, men uh, just really... I think restored in a lot of ways and come alive for God's glory and for God's honor. And so I'm, I'm excited about Matt Alexander and Fusion Church, Josh Franklin and Solid Rock, um, you know, Stephen Adams and, at High Point, and then uh, Terry Richardson at Centennial, and, and obviously Pastor Ryan at Church, two, Church 213 and their staff and leadership and men's ministry team for making this uh, a priority. Uh, so this is missions to me. I'll say that again. This is missions to me. There's no greater missionary need in our day and time than to help men win in their relationship with God, their family, their church, and it is obvious that's the case. And I pray as you hear tonight what is on my heart, I'm going to be faithful to preach a message my pastor preached uh, in 2020. I'm going to preach the word that God gave him that I heard from a video that I received. I, he wasn't my pastor yet. And I'm going to be faithful to do what 2 Timothy 2, 2 says, the things you've heard and seen of me. Among many witnesses, the same commit them, listen to me, to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So I've been given something that I'm accountable to. I'm a steward of that seed God gave me that's really created what we see over here on this east side of Atlanta. And it's time to get that seed back out and let it minister to us during this season. I've put some more truth to it that's really more personal to me that I want to give you. And it's uh, more of a, just a burden I still have. It's something I think I'll carry until God calls me home. I hope and pray you have a burden like that that will keep you up at night, something you're praying about, something you're believing God for, something you're trusting Him that only He can do. You're expecting and depending God to do something that only He can do. And I think that's what this is about. So I pray tonight would encourage you. And as I think about this time that we have together, I pray we don't take it lightly. Meetings like these don't happen. Amen. They just don't happen. They just don't come alive when, when we think they, that we can just maybe strike the match and it, it maybe starts a spark. It's a move of God that we ought to be good stewards of and take accountability to for God's honor and for God's glory. So as we kind of dive in, I'm going to start in Psalm chapter 144. Uh, my pastor didn't start there, but I wanted to start here and I want to get to the text in 2 Timothy 2. 2. I just want to encourage you. Maybe for the next 30 days before you get to the next meeting at High Point with Pastor Matt preaching that night, would you read 2 Timothy 2 for the next 30 days until you meet again? Just read it every single day. 
Because if we know 2 Timothy chapter 2, we'll have a better understanding of the day and time we're living in and the, why, and the reason why we must be on mission. It's a burden that we, I think we can pick up on and see in 2 Timothy 2, and I pray God would use it in chapter 2 in such a way that we're, we're going to respond to it. It's one thing to read the Bible. It's another thing to obey the Bible. One thing to hear the word preached, and I just want to say this, to be honest with you, I'm not doing this to get speakers to speak. I'm doing this so God would respond, so God can move in men's lives as they hear the Word of God. So if you need to come because you're coming because of a speaker, you've already missed God. Amen? So hopefully on the other side of our times that we have together, it's the Word God uses to inspire us and to encourage us to take the steps that we need to take. So with that in mind, let's stand together in honor and reverence to God's inerrant infallible Word. Psalm 144, verse 3. The question is this, what is man? What is man? I like the song we're talking about, singing about you are who you say you are, talking about who God is. And so I want to ask the question, what is man? The Bible says in verse number, let's just start in verse 1, Psalm 144, verse number 1. Blessed be the Lord my rock, and everybody should say amen. Look at this, who trains my hands for war, we'll deal with that as we go through the text, and my fingers for battle, my loving kindness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield and the one whom I take refuge, who subdues my people under me. Then look at verse number 3. Lord, what is man that you take knowledge of him? By the way, he's thinking about you. Amen. That's a good word, amen. What a way to start the night, amen. We've been singing about this. We might as well just focus on it. What is man that you take knowledge of him? He's been thinking about you before you even showed up, amen. He's always thinking about us. What is man that you take knowledge of him or the son of man that you're mindful of him? Now, those two words are used differently. Man is used differently. We'll talk about that in a minute. Better understanding of what he's trying to communicate to psalmist, in other words. The Bible says in verse 4, man's like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. Bow down your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Let's pray together. Father, we can't do anything. Unless you do something first. And I pray tonight, Lord, that I pray what happens in this place tonight, we will never get over. I understand the seriousness of the day in which we live. God, I confess and I even ask you for forgiveness in my casualty with who you are. And I pray even tonight, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would would do a work that many of us haven't seen, maybe in our lifetime or in a long time. I pray we'd stumble over you walking out this door tonight. I pray we'd meet you in the car when we get in the car. I pray that we would never be able to get away from you because we need you. God, when we understand and acknowledge that, we'll be different. We'll want to be different. And Father, our manhood will be adjusted to your plumb line, to the Word of God, to the clarity of it, and God, even the simplicity of it. God, would you eliminate confusion tonight? And would you make it crystal clear what every man needs to do? And Father, I can't speak to every issue. I shouldn't even try. But I know the Holy Spirit can. So I pray in Jesus' name, if anybody speaks tonight, as the Word would say, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him minister with the ability that God gives, that in all things God might be glorified. 
So, Father, tonight we submit to you as the one true God. And everything changes when we do that. So may our heart get right. May our uh, lives be transformed because of who you are. May the, the difference that is made not only be felt in our own personal lives, but, God, may our wives take note. Whether we're married or not, or even in a future marriage, may she know something's different because Jesus has taken over. Pray for every young boy and every young girl that has a daddy here tonight. I pray in Jesus' name that there will be a difference made because he came tonight. He chose to take the steps to come. And God, you met with him and he met with you and things are going to be different, not just tonight, but for decades to come, Lord, generations to come. That's how it's supposed to be. So give us that kind of vision, vision that we can never get over and help us to answer the question tonight, what is man? Not from our perspective. But from your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Again, the Bible says there in Psalm 144, What is man that you take knowledge of him, or the son of man that you're mindful of him? Man's like a breath, his days are like a passing shadow. Bow down your heavens, O Lord, and come down. question I've heard a long time ago that really ministered to me, as I mentioned in my prayer, was this. Are we so casual in our approach to God because we know Him so well or because we know Him so little? And our approach to who God is and how we uh, respond to Him as He speaks to us, and whether it's in a worship service or whether it's a time like this, whether it's in our own personal time as we're driving to work or wherever we are, as we think about our relationship with God, are we so casual in our approach to God because we know Him so well or because we know Him so little? There are two words for man in verse number 3 I want to look at. And so the first time it appears in your Bible there, Lord, what is man? It's the word Adam. The meaning is mankind in general. What is mankind in general is the question. Then he changes and he says, or what? The Bible says, or the son of man. There's a different word there, a different translation. It's the word Enosh. And it's always used in a bad sense in Scripture. So I would encourage you to take the word Enosh and study it when you find it used together in God's Word for the word man there in verse number 3 because it's, it's a big deal. It's a clarifying statement here. The psalmist is crying out in need of clarity. And who is he talking to? The one that can bring clarity, the one that turns on the light. And so the light comes shining through as he's crying out to God and he's wrestling with who mankind is in general. But more than that, he's understanding this, or the Son of Man, in a sense, he's always used in a, in a bad sense in Scripture. So what does it mean? It means that man stands in himself in terms of frailty and weakness. That's a good place to say amen. We're frail and we're weak. Morally, we can't do anything right. It comes from the root word that means to be sick, or to be wretched or weak. Man's sick, man's wretched or weak. That sounds like missions to me. Everybody said amen. That's, that's where we are. And so as we recognize this, the Bible says this, there's none good, no, not one. There's none good, no, not one. As we understand God's word, as we look at it from our perspective and we see what God is saying, it, it ought to startle us. And we ought to just begin to say, Lord, I agree with that. I'm going to take your side against myself. And so as we... Dig into the word, it simply means man's inability. Without God, man is helpless and man is hopeless. The psalmist is agreeing with God's stance and viewpoint on man. And everything changes when a man does that. So man has no physical strength. He has no capacity for moral goodness. And the psalmist concludes, there, there's nothing to him when he thinks about man. And mankind in general, nothing to him. There's nothing to him, nothing to me. 
Nothing to any man. Why would God bother with man? Why did God bother with me? Why would God bother with you? Why would God bother with us? And look what he says. He turns from himself to Almighty God. He says, God, I need you. In order to, for us to answer this question here, what is man, or to define manhood, we need to understand that ministry to any man begins with Almighty God. The psalmist clearly teaches us that when he turns his eyes toward God, he gets clarity. Amen? We see that all throughout God's Word. The, the, the ministry that Moses felt in the presence of Almighty God, it was seen on his face by somebody else. Amen? So that light comes on and we get to see who we really are, why we desperately need God in any part of our life. And this helps us. That's why he cries out, bow down your heavens, O Lord, and come down. I can't do it down here. Amen? You've got to show up. You've got to move. You've got to help. God, please move. And that's always a good move. Amen? When God moves, it's always a good move. Wouldn't you agree with that? Whether it's conviction, whether it's the confirmation of the will of God in your own life, whatever God's doing in your life, whatever God speaks to you, God begins to move. It's always a good move. Matter of fact, it's man's only move. As he moves toward God, he begins to understand some clarity about who he really is. In Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24, these are two passages I would keep close to my heart and self. I'd meditate on, I'd think about and consider. I'd, I'd get all I could out of what God's telling me in these verses. Listen to verse 23 in Jeremiah 9. Thus says the Lord. Thus says who? The Lord. He says this. Let, us, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. The word glory there means to have weight to, that there be any significance of or any heaviness about what you're dealing with. So, hey, don't glory in wisdom, no, no weight in wisdom, no weight in might, no weight in riches. And then it reminds me of verse in Proverbs 20, verse 6, most men were proclaimed each his own goodness. Then God thunders back with a great question, but who can find a faithful man? God always knows the truth. That's why he comes back with a question there. Then the verse says in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24, it goes on and says, But let him who glories glory in this. So if there's any weight to you, if there's any significance to you as a man, if there's any substance to you or any impact by you as a man, that he understands and knows me. If there's any significance about who you are, that you understand and know God. That's a big deal, guys. And I, I mean, you know, I just want to be honest with you. Sometimes we, 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 we're not real good students of the Bible. Everything else we, we know a lot about. And for some reason we stumble over trying to be a good student of the Word of God. And, you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes there are things I don't understand in the Word of God. But the things I do understand, it concerns me. Amen. What's clear to me, sometimes it, it, it concerns me because there's gaps there. There's, there's things that must be addressed and dealt with. I don't really struggle with the stuff I don't understand. It's the things I really do understand. Let him understand and know me, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord. He understands and knows that I am the Lord, that I exercise loving kindness, I exercise judgment, I exercise righteousness in the earth. For in these, the Bible says, he delights says the Lord. This really speaks of God's holiness. I don't know about you, but we need some old-fashioned preaching on holiness today, amen? Just some old-fashioned preaching on holiness. I think we've just, this is a casual approach to who God is sometimes overwhelms me and how we respond and what God might be trying to call us to do. So as he thinks about this holiness of God, this 
loving kindness he mentions here, this judgment he mentions here, this righteousness he mentions here. And then this Hebrews 11 passage, Hebrews 11:6. you might want to write this one down. The Bible says this, but without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is. I love that phrase there, that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. As I think about this, I just want to give you some things I've learned recently just in our, our own personal experience in my own local church there. I love being fed by my church. I love being equipped at the church I'd be a part of. I thank God for my church, and I hope that you'd say the same thing about your church. Amen. Thank God for the church of the living God. Amen. Thank God for the pastors that preach the Bible in a day and time that nobody wants to hear it. And in a day and time that we all need to hear it. Amen. Thank God for the preaching of the Bible and the, and the priority and the preeminence of Scripture. We need to have the Bible. By the way, if it's so good at the church house, why ain't it so good at your house? Amen? That's manhood, by the way. Right? And if you've got something so good, why don't you give it away? Amen? The things you've heard and seen of me and my many witnesses, same commit them to who? Faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. I don't know about you, but I've been in church for a long time. I've been in church over 20, 25, 26 years now. Thank God I hadn't missed a Sunday that I know of. That I, that I wasn't supposed to miss. That's over 1,300 Sundays. 1,300 times I heard God's Word preached. If I add a, a Sunday night in there, that number goes up. If I throw a Wednesday night in there, that number goes up. I've been around the Word of God, listen to me, and I am so thankful. Is there any evidence that the Word of God's been around you? Hey, by the way, because you heard the Word that, that much, Keith, has anybody else heard what I've had to say? Ain't that a good word? If you're, a, if you're a, a spectator, you're already in trouble with God. He's a, he's a deliverer, amen? And He's expecting us to deliver the same truth that He delivered us with. And we just come to events like this and we just hear somebody talk. And guess what? Nobody else gets the mail. Amen? That's unfortunate. That's not spiritual leadership. It's called backsliding or called rebellion, whatever you want to put in there. And it's, we're guilty before God. And we're expecting somebody else to deliver the message for us, and we don't want to deliver it. That's why we need to move of God. It ought to spread like cancer, amen? It ought to spread like COVID, amen? Right? Can I get a witness? My, my family went through this, this virus this week. I call it the beetle bug. My grandson gave it to us. His last name's Beetle, so I call it the beetle bug. And everybody in the house got it. It's coming out both ends by a lot of us, and we're thinking, my goodness, I'll be glad when this beetle bug's gone. We, it's contagious. Everybody, he made sure everybody got it. You know why? He was hanging out with everybody. It's contagious, and that's how the Word ought to be with us. And I just, you know, it's, it's, we might as well shut the thing down before we get started if we're not going to give it away. You hear me? The other 11 months ought to have some impact. You know why? Because I want to give it away. I got a text message from Josh Franklin. They said, this, this has got to build. I said, it must this, this must build. You know why? We're men of God. And God builds things with men of God. And so as we move through this tonight, I want to give you three things that my pastor gave me that I shared with another group of guys. Chad Wilson's here, and he got the message. And before you know it, we're praying and coveting Georgia for God to do something during the summer there. And it's the same message God gave me that night. And we're here tonight because of what God continues to do. We want to be good stewards of what God's saying to all of us. So here's the verse, where there was no divine revelation from God, the people perish. Proverbs 29, 18. 
in our equipping, in our church, there was a man that came from another ministry, and he said this, where there is no divine revelation from God, the people cherish. They want to hang on to the past. They don't want to go get the future God may be giving them. He also said there is a major problem when yesterday looks better than tomorrow. That's worth writing down and taking it home tonight to your wife. Amen. He said there's a major problem when yesterday looks better than tomorrow. My word this year, and we've been going at our family right now, every night I've been taking them through what the Bible would say about what as a man thinks so is he. So I've been walking through that verse with them and just helping them unpack. I thought about preaching some of that tonight because some of us in our own mind, we're not able to get where God wants us to get because of our stinking thinking. Everybody should say amen to that. We need to repent of how we think, of our critical attitude and our poor adjustments to how we respond in our mindset and what we can't get out of what God wants to give us because of this mindset that we have that's been you know, polluted with the flesh, polluted with sin and not with Scripture, not able to take us out of the bondage that we're in. We're living in what this psalmist says, but guess what? Things change for him because he acknowledged that to be true, and he begged God to come down. He asked God to move in on his life. So as we look at this, I want to take you to 2 Timothy 2. 2. Now, I've already told you, your assignment until you meet again is to read 2 Timothy chapter 2 for the next several days, 30 days, however many days it is before your next meeting. 2 Timothy chapter 2. It's worth reading. I've used it probably more than any other passage in my life and ministry. It is vital. The sections are vital. The words are specific and pugnant with God's direction for your life, listen to me, as a man of God. It's clear. But many of us don't know it. I've taught this stuff before and I'm overwhelmed. How many guys would say, I don't know, I didn't know that. But it's in one of the epistles written by, you know, Paul to Timothy to help him in his shepherding and his leading and his guiding and with people wherever he's at. And, and we don't know this stuff. We don't live like he says to live. And so, as my pastor gave these points, I want to give them to you with, with my, my part to it. And I pray God uses it to help you. So, if we're going to find out what a man is, we need to look at God's Word. And so, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, I want you to notice what the Bible says in verse number 2. If you're with me, say amen. The Bible says there, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also, as you look at this particular chapter, it's pretty awesome that you need to start in verse number one. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So the strength that you gain as a man of God, you see the language here, as my son, my son, the, the anchor there, so to speak, is what I want to use as the anchor. The student, be a student of the word of God. As you anchor yourself in the word of God, it'll change your life. It's supposed to, amen? I say this a lot. My, my Bible doesn't vibrate, but it does have a heartbeat. Amen? Your phone go off sometimes? Does it get your attention? Why does it go off? So it's, it's designed to get your attention. Well, this, this thing goes off all the time, amen? I can't stop it from going off. By the way, it has no power switch, amen? It's always got power. Always works in a man's life. The question is, are we using it for what God's called us to, to use it for in every area of our life? 
Do we know how to use this sword as we deal with our own personal sin? Do we know how to use the sword with our wife and shepherding her, tending to and taking care of her with our boys and with our girls? Can we use this sword? Do we have, are we a good student of the Word of God? Do we understand how to use it? Can we, do we know it well enough whenever we hear error, we can speak to it directly and convincingly and compassionately to help them get it back on track? Because error is everywhere we go. And by the way, you know God well enough to know He may shut your mouth because He wants them to trip over their own selves. He's that kind of God to let them just wring their neck because He's been talking to them. And he'll shut, he'll shut the word down when he wants to. But, God, by the way, it's never going to go away. It's always going to be there. It's going to be there to judge us one day, and it even does so today. So just a temple, just takeaways in my own life. As I thought about that message, I didn't go back and listen to it. I just took the points out, and I want to put it back into my life and meditate and think through. Because if it was such a good thing, then what, what else can I get out of the message that God gave me back then to do such a great thing? Truth not transferred will not transform. That's a takeaway I've got. Truth not transferred will not transform. How many times have you been asked, did you get my text message? Did you get that message I sent you? Did you get my voicemail? Truth not transferred will not transform. One thing God taught me when I was pastoring in South Georgia, uh, my first assignment I believe God gave me was to preach through Psalm 119 on Wednesday nights. And I just preached eight verses at a time and my whole desire was I was praying. Every time I was preaching, I said, God, please let me, let me get a good handle on your word. And as I go through those verses, God goes, just began to use those verses to go through my own life and examine my own life. As a, that Psalm 119 is the word about the word. And it, on and on it would go. And God would use that word to convict me and draw me to myself. And, and by the time I got to the end, it was simply this. I'm not giving you these verses that you might get a good handle on the word of God. I'm giving you these verses I might get a good handle on you. That's what he wanted. Some of us handle Scripture so well, we're deceived to think we know it so well that we're living it. You follow me? You know what the Bible says, but your life looks nothing like what it says. And that's what I think we need to understand as we look at this. It's hard to walk away from truth when God is the one speaking. So we've got to be a good student of the Word of God, 2 Timothy 2. 2. It's not the truth that you know that changes you. It's the truth that you obey that changes you. Amen? That's just real simple stuff I've learned over the years. And here's one that Henry Blackaby taught me. Scripture's not a concept. Scripture's a person. We just read John chapter 1 a few minutes ago. John chapter 1 is a clear reality of that. That the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. In Him was the Word. The Word was with God. It's powerful. And it was God. It's awesome to recognize this is who God is. And uh, it's powerful to hear this wonderful, wonderful truth. So then this, this heard word shows up there in 2 Timothy verse number 2. The things that you have heard. Man, thank God that he got it. Amen. And thank God we get it whenever we respond to it and we get to live it out. It's one thing to hear. It's another thing to obey it. I just want to keep saying that. And, uh, you know, I know that you're going to hear him re- uh, coming down in another month or so. I'm not sure what month it is. But Kenny Grant said we live by the ear. We live by the ear. A Christian lives by the ear. And that is so true. And I just thank God that I, as I, I want to make sure I hear God's voice in my own personal life because I need to. When I go back to Psalm 144, I, I, in and of myself, I, I can't even think about doing it. But sometimes I do. I've got to be reminded of that and have an ever eager ear, ever eager ear to hear what God says. 
And that brings me to a statement that my pastor made in a different message. He talked about shallow men. And, um, you know, I just gave that my notes because I wanted to come back to this. And I just want to realize that we, as a challenge for us tonight, I pray that after the times that we meet during these months and during the, the times that you follow up during studies that you have with other men, what you have planned for your ministry, that you're not going to let these words get away from you. So I pray that you'll build into your own life, and, and I want to just encourage you to, to, to take all that you can, to be all that you can for God's glory. But the challenge is to st- I don't want to stay shallow, amen? I don't want to be a mile wide and an inch deep. You know, you can step on ice that way and drown. I want to walk on some stuff that's sturdy, amen? Uh, there's a tree that fell on our property across the pond that wasn't very big at all, so it's covering up most of the pond now. And, but it didn't crush the ice because it's been you know, under, under zero for the last several days, it seems like. And so as you know, I think about that, I think, man, there's so many men that are shallow and how we don't know who God is. And it reminds me of Matthew 13, 22. Listen to this verse. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. I was telling you about my family, the words that we've been going around and trying to, I was trying to hear what my kids are picking for their words, what my wife's picking for her word for this year, because I use it as a time to pray for them and a time to hear where they are, see where they are as their dad to help them. You you said this word was, this, this was your word at the beginning of January, but it, there's no reality here in December that it was your word. You follow me? So mine's fruitful for the year, and I just pray that, man, I pray that I live a fruitful life in 2024, that everything that I'm a part of would be fruitful. I, I've, I've sown a lot of seed over my life. I want to see God's fruit come alive. Last year's word was together, and I wanted to make sure that, man, everything I was doing with my family was together. The thing I was doing with other ministry, I felt like I needed to, to live with that mindset of being together. And that's what I'm thinking we're, we're trying to pull from this text here. He says, he who received the word, Matthew 13, 22, among the thorns is he who hears the word. And then all of a sudden things move in. The cares of the world comes in. The seed from the riches comes in and choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. That seed was intended to help things look different. But guess what? It's choked out. It's strangled. And there's no fruit to even tell that there was even a seed there. No evidence there. That even heard what God said. You've been in those services and you were glad you were there. And you can tell you were there. Amen. Salvation is an evidence of that. The call of God in your life is the evidence of that. That you heard God speak to you and you responded. And then on the other side, man, look what God's done. The fruit's there. Amen. He says, commit. He says to faithful men to teach others also. 2 Timothy 2 verse 15. Be diligent. It's a command. To present yourself approved to God. To who? To God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly Dividing the word of truth. Now, some of us think this is just for the pastor. Deuteronomy 6, early on in God's word, tells you something different. Amen. Even in Genesis, God gave a word to Adam. And guess what? He didn't do what he said he was supposed to do. And we all got in trouble for that. By the way, Eve believed so much of the lie that she was in the truth when she was deceived by the enemy. She thought she was actively in truth. Powerful to recognize that whole text and go back and deal with some of even the words there. But the word diligent means to be persistent. The command is to be persistent, tenacious, dedicated, tireless. 
as a man of God. That's the call in your life, to study God's Word in such a way with diligence that your persistence until you wring out all God has for you in that text, that you're able to, to be tenacious about what God's saying to you, not just what you've heard Him say or what you see on your page of your Bible there, but man, seeing it come alive in your life. That's what God wants. That's what God desires, to move you from where you are to where He wants you to be. He says to present yourself approved to God. It means to report for duty. You're in a right standing with God because the words cleansed you of your sin. You're where you ought to be and you're able to move on for God's glory and for God's honor. So again, again, it says this, to be approved to God. But the, the problem is this. The fear of man brings a snare, but he who puts his trust in the Lord shall be saved. Too many of us are concerned what somebody else might think of us if we just do what God says to do. And that could be a pastor. I just want to be honest with you pastors that you, you won't make a decision because somebody else is in the room. Somebody else may push back on something. And by the way, I'm going to show you how to deal with them in just a minute, okay? Y'all with me? Say amen. Because you're going to have to deal with him. You follow me? Oh, yes, yeah, right. You're going, to, you're going to have to deal with him. Why not do it God's way? And you'll recognize it. Go back to the text again. You're, you're incapable. You can't do it. So bow down your heavens, O Lord, and come down and see what he says to do about it. And you'll be able to be what God's called you to be. So let's begin to unpack this. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That means every man of God in the house, not just the shepherd of the church, but the family shepherd at home. Every man of God has this call in his life that he's, he's been given this inspiration of God and is profitable for things that are right in his life. Tells him what is right. The word reproof means what is not right. Warren Wiersbe taught me this. I'm, I'm just giving you what somebody taught me. Amen. So what did they teach me? Well, hey, doctrines, what's right in your life? The Bible tells you that. The Bible tells you what's right, what's right about marriage, what's right about finances, what's right about the spiritual gifts, whatever you want to put in the blank, what's right about the church, what's right about the world that we live in, what is right. The Bible tells you what is not right, that's reproof. The Bible tells you how to get right, that's correction. Amen for that one, amen. To God be the glory. He just not, he just not, he's not just reproving me, telling me what's wrong, man. No, he wants to tell me how to get this thing right. It's what Jesus is for, amen. Shed his blood for that. He got it right. Amen, he got it right. Not only that, but how to stay right. Man, I don't want to fall back into sin, do y'all? I don't want that stuff to overtake my life again. I've already lived there, amen. No more going back. Amen. Some of you go back to that junk. Why? Why do you go back to that? Matthew 22, 29, Jesus answered and said to them, You're mistaken, not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. Wow, what a verse. The word mistaken means deceived. He speaks directly to the opposition. You are mistaken, not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. So he connects the two together. You can't get where God wants you to get because you don't know the Scriptures, and because you don't know the Scriptures, you don't know the power of God. There's power in the Word of God, amen? There's significant move that we see take place because of God's Word. We sang about it a few minutes ago. Hosea 6.4, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will reject you from being Priest for me, because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. Wow. Amen. Hey, that's there still in, in God's Word. It's still alive. It's not something in the Old Testament we just kind of throw away. Notice this reality. Because you have forgotten the law of God, I will also forget your children. 
Jeremiah 15, 15. Your words were found and I ate them. This is our response. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. So I think about the word of God, it reminds me of a conversation I had with Gary, who's, who's a farmer I just met. We bought some property for him, and he gave us the other half of the farm, and so everything he used to own, I now own. It's amazing what God did. And we had some issues around some of the construction we were doing, and I just needed some straw, and I, I saw some straw on top of that, that, the barn down there on the bottom of the hill, and he said, hey, you can go get that straw. It'll, it'll still work. And by the way, don't be surprised when that weed grows. He said, you know, that straw's been up there for 60 years. I said, that ain't going to grow. He said, go sow it. Guess what? <laughs> seed was coming up. Come up over here, come up over there. I thought, man, that's some good seed right there. Here's something for you God taught me. The seed you got sacked away that God's given you for years, that you hadn't obeyed, God wants to use in your life tonight. Amen? He wants to help you get that seed God gave you 10 years ago. And like some of that seed he's got stacked up in the barn for a reason. He's got it, they thought he was going to use it one day, but he hadn't used it. But then I came along, I needed it, amen. And guess what, it worked and it grew some stuff and weed. And I'm thinking, man, what else he got out here? Where, where's some more seed at? Because I need some seed. And I think about this, God sowed some stuff in your life that needs to come alive. And it's got to get scattered for everybody else around you, wherever you are. Your wife needs that, listen to me. Your children need that. God gave it to you 20 years ago. Send the bag, not even open yet, and God wants to use it. Can you take it out tonight, dear sir? Walk outside these walls, get home, and sow the seed into your wife. She's needed it for 20 years. Amen? God's been sowing it for, for decades and in your life, and you just haven't responded to it. But again, your words were found, and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy of the joy of my heart. And for I called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. So get the bag out, dear brother, and go minister to your wife and family and see what God does. That's the anchor. Number two is authority. Be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Therefore, you must endure. Therefore, hardship. Did y'all hear that word say amen? You must endure hardship. He says it's not going to be easy. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of his life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Endure hardship. In other words, ministry is not for wimps. Amen? I'm not talking about pastoral ministry. I'm talking about everyday ministry. It's not for wimps. If you're a dad of a two-year-old, hey, it's not for wimps. Amen? i got a two-year-old trying to tear everything down I got. Amen? He's just tearing everything up. And his name is John. He's got... He's got, he's got some lungs like John the Baptist sure does. I'm, I'm thinking he might could rival John the Baptist. He is flat loud. And I'm trying to figure out how do I deal with this. <laughs> and I, I got a five-year-old too that's lost and need Jesus too. So y'all pray for me. Amen. That's, they're rubbing me on both ends. and rubbing my wife on both ends. They're rubbing everybody else in the house. They, they, I got to be a good soldier. You must endure hardship. And I, I, I just found it to be the reality to speak life. Speak truth. I tell them all the time, you're going to be a warrior, buddy. You're going to be a warrior. And just God's going to use that voice. God's going to use that passion, whatever, for his kingdom. I want him to hear that. And uh, as you think about this, being a man of war is what he's talking about here. It's a battle. Everybody should say amen. As Marriage is a battle. Say amen to that. They're not in the house tonight. You can say amen. Nobody's recording this tonight. Amen. Hey, there's a marriage retreat we happened to have last week at our, at our church. Man, it helped me. 
And I'm in a war. It's a battle going on. And it's always a constant thing. And I, hey, we can't be off. Y'all see this? That's why we need brothers around us. That's why we need churches building into our lives. Because we can't take it off. We can't take it off. If you take it off today, you may never pick it back up. You hear me, guys? Because I know us. I know me. So three principles God taught me. I'm just taking out of my own life. I believe as God prepares you to be a soldier, He's going to allow Satan to sift you as wheat. God allows this. He allows Satan to sift you as wheat. In other words, what is God allowing Satan to shake you from? My mother used to make biscuits, and she'd sift that flour with that sifter. And I'd hear that sifter going out thinking, man, something's on the way. I can smell it before she got in the oven. She's sifting that flour, and guess what? Something's on the way. She's getting me ready. She's got that sifter going in that, in that kitchen there. It's, been, it's probably been 50 years almost that I heard that sifter going off. Amen? She used to sift it when I wasn't even born because she made biscuits. I told my wife, hey, my mom made cornbread a certain way. You're going to make it that way too. <laughs> that wasn't wise, was it? So I texted my sister over Thanksgiving, and Matt gave me this over-the-top chili recipe. And I thought, man, the best thing I could think of go with the over-the-top chili recipe is that, that cornbread recipe. And it's that white lily flower. I remember seeing those bags in there. My mother was in there sifting. She'd sift those biscuits every morning. The word sift means to wrap with a fist. Trying to get that flour as fine as she can get it so that biscuit can just get just right to take what it needs to take, to put in the ovens, to do what it's supposed to do. To minister to us. Amen. God may be allowing Satan to run you through the ringer. Listen to me, because he knows what's going to come out on the other side. Look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. What's Jesus doing? He's begging God, crying out to God, and he's also turning to other men. Could you not pray with me one hour? And Satan is just doing all he can to hammer him. To him, and what was on the way, the cross was on the way. And what was coming out of Jesus, the redemption of mankind, the blood of Jesus was being sifted out of his life. And he allowed Satan to be a part of that. What could God be using in your life to allow Satan to come against you, to buffet you, to wrap you with the fist, that on the other side of this, it'll be overwhelming to the kingdom of God? Here's another one. As I think about this, as you think through sifting, he wants to unleash you and unhinder you for the glory of God that you might be unashamed of Him wherever you go. What has got you tied down? What has got you, what's holding you back? What, what are you afraid of? The other word is refiner's fire. I think about the refiner's fire, this purity He's looking for, these small changes in your life that need to be made, this cleansing, this, this straining, this filtering in your life. He's, he's just letting the heat come up on your life. The other one is the prune. He wants to cut some things back. He wants to trim back some things. And this is getting the soldier ready for what he's going to be going into. As you think about this soldier, I want you to take your Bible and look in 1 Kings chapter. Well, just no, just yeah, 1 Kings chapter. Just write these down. You won't have time to get to them because I don't want to waste a lot of time here. But I do want to just teach you something I think will help you. 1 Kings 3, 5 through 7. Write that down, 1 Kings 3, 5 through 7. Now, by the way, a good Bible study student will study to show himself approved. He's going to read above that. He's going to read on the bottom half of that to find out what the real context is in terms of what's being taught. Same is going to be taught about Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 6. Numbers 27, 15 through 23. Joshua 14, 
1 through 12. For the sake of time, I'm going to start Deuteronomy 28, 6. Go back in your Bible study time, look in 1 Kings 3, 5 through 7. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. Talking about being a good soldier, having authority. Notice that phrase there, when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. Numbers 27, 15 through 23. Then Moses said to the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation. Verse 17, Who may go out before them and go in before them? Who may lead them out and bring them in? That the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep which have no shepherd. Keep reading down to verse 23. For the sake of time, we're stopping right there. Joshua 14, 11 through 12. Yet as yet I am as strong this day. Who's this? Caleb. As yet I am as strong as this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just my strength was then. Listen to this. So now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain which you, the Lord, spoke in that day. Now, what was happening here? Did y'all pick up going out and coming in? Did you pick up on that? Who taught me this? My pastor taught me this just a few months back in Strengthening Men at Fairview. What did he teach me? He taught me that this is so elementary I would have missed it. I wouldn't have picked up on it because he said the, the casual reader of these passages may be about entrances and exits. Go out and coming in. Y'all see that? Going out and coming in. What's this mean? You go into worship before you go out to war. Blessed shall you be when you come in to worship and blessed shall you be when you go out to war. Before you go to war, you go to worship. When you worship me, you come out different every single time. So when you come in here, when you come to your worship service, when you connect to your Bible study time around that table, you're, you're coming in. You're coming in to worship. And it, hey, as you see Psalm 144, it, it affected him, right? It touched his life. It changed his life. It changed his, it changed his perception of who he was and where he was and what he needed to do. And I'm thankful for how he cries out to God and he, he needed to recognize this as he understood who he was as a man and the connection that he had in his relationship with God and all that really matters. So when you worship me, God teaches us, you come out different every single time. That's why we ask him to come down and interact in our lives. So be a good soldier of the Lord. That is authority. Number three, it's anointing. Be a good servant of the Lord. Verse 24 through 26, here's what I told you we're going to get. The Bible says this, and the servant of the Lord must not quarrel. Just stop right there. Anybody need to come and repent? What are Baptist churches known for? The Bible says the servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient. And humility correcting those who are in opposition. Did you see that phrase there? If I don't look like Jesus, I don't know what does. In humility correcting those who are in opposition. If God, you might be here tonight, dear brother. If God will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil having been taken captain by him to do his will. You're going to come across folks like this on a regular basis. 
And the question is, can you be a servant of the Lord? Or somebody, listen to me, in a snare. I'm thankful Jesus can reveal and can expose and can help us. But as I think about this anointing we see in this servant of the Lord, the first thing kind of stops a lot of us because we, we can't even get to the other part of what he's asking us to do because we're already in the argument that we, we're not going to win. Amen? Y'all ever recognize this? You come to somebody that's lost and they don't believe the Bible's the Word of God, you're going to have a hard time convincing them. The Bible says to what? You must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. And I, I just went through this. I've been, I, hey, I used this text probably four or five times last year. And, and, and probably of the four or five times last year, I used it in my, my family's life probably three of the five times. And if I'm clueless as to what's happening in my family's life, I can't minister the Word of God. You hear what I'm saying? I don't want my boy to be in a snare. I don't want my wife to be in a snare. I don't want my, my, my daughter and her new husband in a snare. I don't want, I don't want nobody in a snare. I, I, you know, the, the people I love and care about that I'm you know, just in part of ministry with, and I, I find myself, if I'm not careful, I want to get in there and state my case, and God says, no, 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 no. The servant of the Lord must not quarrel. Don't defend yourself. There's one, there's one defender. His name's Jesus, by the way. Amen. He's the one that he's already defended you, by the way. He's already taken care of all that. So as you look at this in your own personal life, I remember talking to the situation we had in our family. I said, hey, listen, I, I'm, I'm of the deep conviction. I'm very convinced that this is, a, is an attack from the enemy, and I'm not approaching, in it, approaching it any other way. So would you give me just a few minutes so I can state my case? And I want to bring you to my side because I'm going to need you to address it the way I believe the Scripture helps us to address it. And it was my son-in-law. I said, we can't get off here because it won't look good on the other side. And I believe that my daughter is in a snare and you're her spiritual leader. And I want to speak wisdom into your life because I'm not her spiritual leader anymore. And you came to me and thank God you did. You didn't have to make the call, but you did make the phone call. Because I'd already, I'd already called her. I was on the way over there. What does Jesus do? He rescues the perishing. He cares for the dying. Jesus is merciful. He will save. And I thought about this thing and I thought, man, I cannot let my daughter make a decision and, and, and what is already death. Because the, the enemy got in this mindset in her own mind. She's, she's making decisions on what she has, has taken into her mindset. And she's thinking this to be true. And it's not really true. When you look around, it's not really true. And she needs somebody else to go in there with a scaffold. And the surgeon of the word of God. And help her get clean and get free of that bondage. And my son-in-law was faithful to help me do that. It was in such a conflict I had to talk to another party and help them realize you cannot respond the way you want to respond. It's an attack from Satan. I believe it to be, and by the way, I was right. I talked to my daughter for almost an hour, and she wept, and she said, I, I see it, Daddy. I see it, Daddy. I see it, Daddy. I'm so thankful that we have a God that 
gives us clarity here. And it's not just a message I heard preached, amen? It's a message I had come into my own life. I did this when I was pastoring. I'd go meet with people that were so frustrated with me because I was asking them to sign a covenant and do what the Bible says, amen? Y'all ever been there? We can stir up a bunch of churches if you follow the Bible. We'll stir them up real fast. And they were opposed at that because they didn't want to be held accountable to it. And I remember, you're making a decision to leave the church because of a lie, and you're in a snare. And I love Georgia football, but I missed every game that season. And a man of God by the name of John Kaysen went with me every single visit. And it was the Word of God God was using to help these other people. They were leaving the church based on a lie. You hear me, guys? They were in a snare. Who's going to tell them that? The Word of God. Gave us the reason to tell them that. By the way, it's good if the deacons help the pastor out doing this. Amen? Y'all hear that one? Hey, it's better than that. What about the deacons? They don't show up. What about the men of God in the church if they help the pastor do this? It's just a servant of the Lord. If you need a title to do this, you're already in trouble and so is your family. You got some boys in verse 26. You got some girls there. You might have a family there. And God's asking you, as a man of God, you're incapable. You can't do it in of yourself. There's an anchor I've given you. It's the Word of God. There's this authority I give you. You be a soldier. There's this anointing I have on you. You go rescue them and take care of them. Go be a man of God. Don't wait on the pastor to show up. He may not can get there because he's out of town. And the question is, can God use you in conflict? That's the question. Now, some of you have been through a better man, but you just went to the study. And I want to be honest with you guys. Why do we preach the Bible? Just to listen to somebody talk? Man, that's boring. Y'all watch Fox News? I quit watching it. Amen? That ain't working on me. Well, it was working on me, but it wasn't the truth. Amen? That's what needs to get in our lives, guys. I know I've gone long, and probably not long enough for some of us. Matt was talking about preaching. I might as well just pull him up here and give, give, let him give you what God gave him today in case we didn't show up. We don't need less of this. We need more of it. And I think it's the preaching of more of it that might get to some of us that will change our lives and even listening as much as we can. If we turn off everything else and turn this on, you'll see a big difference in our lives. And I'm thankful that God gave me enough wisdom and discernment to be able to get to the place where I thought, man, my goodness, and I wanted, I mean, I got, I felt like, I felt this urge to go and confront it in a combative way because I was tired of dealing with the same issue. And God said, no, it's an attack from the enemy. And I'm trusting you to shepherd your son-in-law and those involved the same way. The other one would have taken, would have taken a horrendous turn in our local church. And I set my entire family down and told them there was, a, there was a move of Satan in the church. And if you're not careful, you'll get swept in because you, you love people that are involved in Satan's way of taking people away from the will of God. If I didn't tell them that, if I wasn't paying attention, there's no telling where my family would be right now. Because a passive man, listen to me, is a dangerous man. He's more dangerous than the guy trying to tear the church up the other way. Because it affects more you than you realize. Just ask Adam how bad it was. Colossians 3, 16 and 17. And here's my invitation. I'm going to make five statements at the end. As I begin to make these statements, I want you to begin to bow your head in just a few minutes after I read the text. That's going to be the invitation. 
The invitation is very clear tonight. It's very clear. First of all, before I even read the text, if you're here tonight, you haven't been changed by God's power. You're lost without Jesus. There's been no redemption of Jesus' work in your life. You can't even tell that you even prayed a prayer or even turned your life over to Christ. You need Jesus. To pray a prayer and see no change in your life, you're, you're deceived, dear brother. Not even brother. Dear hellion, pagan, you're away from God. And the call is to come to Him. Come to Him tonight and find out what it means to be one who, is, who knows the Word and is able to handle the Word of God and student of the Word and you're soldiers of the cross of, of the Lord Jesus and you're able to be the servant of God He wants you to be. You're able to do this. But you can't do it by yourself. You're needy and God has done everything He can for you to come and be reconciled to God. By the way, if there's been no change, there's no Christ. No change, no Christ. Did you hear me? No change, no Christ. You can't encounter Jesus and stay like you are. There's no way. Here's the Word of God. The invitation. Listen to it. Colossians 3, 16 and 17. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you rich, live in you richly in all wisdom. Teaching and admonishing one another in the psalms and hymns and spiritual songs Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father through Him. 